0: time. Hello, friends. I think we have figured out the problem. And I am now inviting my
1: guest, Julia, Julia, who
0: hopefully is going to join any moment now. And I am going to ask her how she pronounced
1: her name. Hello. God, we did it. (laughs) I figured it out finally. (laughs) I love it. <laughs> how are you
0: today, dear? Oh wonderful. How are you? And um I, I am so self-conscious about pronouncing like everything. How do you pronounce your last name? Mijas. Mijas. Why Mikas. am I saying him Yeah, a little light? soft
1: but... little ha ha in the back of
0: the throat. Mijas. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I've been writing it wrong. I'm totally dyslexic. Oh, how have you been writing it? I've been right. I I I put the H H I M S. I bet I, I don't know why I did that.
1: No H I S totally works.
0: H I M H. Oh no, it's a, I, I spelled it with an H, not an M. Oh. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's I'm going like I'm pronouncing it co- like completely wrong in my brain. I see. I don't know how that like. <sighs> wow. beauty works. The beauties of, Mijas. The beauties, which is actually your last name. The beauties of technology. Mhm. The brain julia astrologer my guest today welcome thank are you, you are you reporting from san francisco today or somewhere else in the
1: world where are you san francisco lovely <laughs> and how's detroit snowing oh wow how many inches i don't know but it, it's
0: kind of intimidating i have to leave the house today and it just keeps like coming mm. um, but,
1: but you're, you're from New York, so you're yes. used to snow. Yeah, you know, we, we get the four seasons out there. And um, and I also lived in Iowa for a little bit, so I, I'm also used to the gray skies. I mean, you know, Midwestern weather. You know, gray skies for six months <laughs> and lots of snow and uh, wonderful, unassuming people. Midwesterners <laughs> are my favorite. Love it. I have to tell you, unrelated to anything,
0: though, years ago, I lived in San Francisco for a, a small amount yeah. of time. And um, huh? I said, I didn't know that. Yes. And um, the one thing I like, distinctly remember about San Francisco winter is it's like cold enough to be like miserable, but not cold
1: enough to actually feel relief when you come indoors. It can be colder than the Midwest in some ways because when it's wet cold, yeah. you know, it like, gets into your bones. You never really feel like you're warm. But like, when it snows outside, it can totally be dry. Yeah, but it was it was a type of cold where it was like miserable cold. But mm. like you know when you're like when you're it's
0: really cold like the Midwest and you like it's so cold that when you come in it's like this like your whole body instantly thaws. Yeah. It, it was like I don't know, I just that's that's what I appreciate about the Midwest. And when mm. it's so cold, you thank God you're like alive. That you still have like <laughs> fingers when you walk outside. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, that that that's it. Um, I wanted to chat about you and not my um, love of coal today. So tell me, okay, you're you're an astrologer now. This yes. is your full time profession. Um, but you grew up in Manhattan. You have an arts background. Tell me about your life
1: before astrology. Sure. Well, um, I would say that before I found my life purpose and meaning, I was kind of drifting through the art world a little bit, uh, studied it academically. And um, where I really found the intersection, where I really started to feel like I was um, sort of gaining on the direction I wanted to go in was when I went to the University of Amsterdam and studied Western esotericism and mysticism and looked into alchemical symbolism and focused that on my master's thesis. And and I think that my interest in symbolism is what drew me into astrology, that sam- symbolic type of thinking, which is not really utilized so much in the West anymore. You know, we have yeah. the alphabet. We put our phonetic words together. There are still some cultures that use symbolic language, but it, it really uses a different part of the brain. Um, and I, I was really drawn to it. I guess art was my gateway to astrology. Um, lots of artists love astrology. Um, you know, there's, there's quite an intersection between the two. Um, but yeah, it was really, you know, and I did some galleries and auction houses and different types of things. But um, yeah, when I, when I discovered astrology, that was just sort of it for me. So, okay, I love that we, we talked on the phone, like, last week, I believe it was last week, for like, three hours, mm. and, like, we didn't even
0: get to this, you just sort of referenced your academic background, but can you just tell me about your master's, and I, I hope this isn't not too surprising, but that's a big thing for you to brush over. Sure.
1: So at the University of Amsterdam, it was a one-year program, and uh, I actually focused on spiritualism um, there, which was uh, the study. It's a 19th century uh, movement that began sort of concurrently in the United States and England of mediums speaking to ghosts and spirits um, yeah. so I, I, I focused on um, spiritualists they're still they're still around today they have a lot of churches they're very cool um, and then actually, I got into the alchemical symbolism when I studied in London um, okay. through the University of Glasgow and uh, then That's I just true. got to go through all these old alchemical manuscripts and I was you know I was writing about it from a historical art context um, but uh, yes. I, I really started getting into um, sort of Western esoteric symbolism around then. So, um, by the way, have you ever been to L- Lilydale? I went there for the first time ever. I've or- always wanted to go to Lilydale. I hear it's kind of like this Smurf village full of like mediums. Yeah, I mean it's a spiritualism community, right? It's from yeah. From what I understand, it's um. By the way, there's an astrology
0: conference that happens, I guess, now every year now. Um, there's it's going to happen this year, so we can meet up at Lilydale. Oh my god! That we'll would
1: be start, so cool. I'm yeah. there. Yeah,
0: we'll just sort of pinpoint that, but um, or mark that. May I ask, though, like, what 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 was your master's on? I'm so I'm so intrigued by this. And like, yeah, let's start there.
1: Yeah. So the first one uh, in Amsterdam, it was called Western Esotericism and Mysticism, and the idea okay. was investigating. Um, religious currents that weren't heterodox in Europe so occultism in general Um, some people wrote theirs on mesmerism Um, some people wrote theirs on Uh, Hermes Trismegistus, for example. So all of those currents in spirituality that aren't part of the mainstream church or temple, so to speak, the Judeo Christian tradition, um, even though they can certainly come, you know, branch out from there. And then the other one in, uh, which was in London, even though it was through the University of Glasgow, was on Western European art in general. And then I, I focused, I came in knowing I wanted to do alchemical manuscripts.
0: So do you have two masters? Is this the same program?
1: I do. So you can call me
0: Mistress. (laughs) Were you always into the occult? Like, where did this come? Was it a slow, slow
1: girl? Probably, yeah. you know, I I probably what we'd just say I've always been into weird stuff. Um, yeah. I've got a tight Neptune square to my Sun, kind of conjoin my Moon. Um, I've also, you know, um, always been into weird stuff. So I'd say probably, and I still am. You know, middle school, I just loved learning about uh, extraterrestrial experiences. <laughs> um, you know, like, I, I was really into the X-Files, and I was really into all those uh, alien documentary shows, and I, I was really into that kind of stuff. And then I would also say, just in terms of my own practice, I've always been into consciousness exploration before I even understood what it was that I was doing. Or put wow. a label
0: on it. Have you ever had an alien
1: experience?
0: Or no, experience I experience
1: I have seen I have seen things that I couldn't account for in the sky, like weird lights. But I mean, it could be anything. Like I, I'm definitely rooted in skepticism, being like, okay, maybe that was a military plane, maybe that was a drone. Um, but I do think that there are some recorded. Um, You know, experiences among very good sources, you know, military, police, firefighters, whole cities of of unexplained phenomenon, which I find really intriguing and maybe it has a mundane explanation, but it certainly um, it certainly can't be written off. And I have to say. I think more people have strange experiences than is what's normally talked about. And that's one of the things I've learned as an astrologer is like, when people go to you, they're sort of willing to open up and start talking about all this stuff that I don't think they'd be willing, because you're just kind of in the weirdo category. Yeah. So then when you're in the weirdo category, people are kind of more open to just sort of saying like, Oh, I was visited by my my dead grandfather, or, or you know, I think I saw a, a spirit here, and and I think more people have those experiences than genuinely genuinely talked about, um, you know, in the mainstream.
0: You know, I, I there's two. I'm sorry, I'm gonna turn my volume down. So part of my face getting like really up in here for a moment. Um, hmm. Okay, <laughs> I have, there's two questions in different areas I want to address here. I want to hold on to that weirdo category of consulting because it's something I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with and I'd love your thoughts but I was just listening I just today actually finished the audiobook. I think it's um Mitch Horowitz's History of the Occult
1: I haven't read that i I think I've heard the title before but I haven't personally read it
0: it comes in through right it starts like the Quakers and the Shakers not going to do this book justice at any rate when he was talking about about the spiritualism movement, I thought was really interesting was you said it was the first time perhaps, like, you know, that women held positions of power in this like it, at least in the, the sort of Western world. I'm sure I'm just fucking up something here. But it was significant because it was was women in power. Yes. And he and, you know, and if you think about it, it's not that different. You know, this idea of like talking to spirits and things, right? It's it's not like a um when it comes to sort of religious movement, it's it's not like this like that far out there right because this is what most, most things are based in um, but I thought it was interesting that he said he thinks some of the, um, the the sort of um, lash the, um, backlash it got was just, just the, the sort of our ingrained hatred of women and, and how like and just sort of like talking about maybe the significance of this movement and things like the Ouija board which we still use that comes out of spiritualism mm-hmm. yes, yes. Um, but I would love your thoughts on that as someone who I, I would, didn't expect that I was going to be on a call with someone who has this
1: Yes, well, I would I would even say, uh, I I completely agree with Horvitz there. And I would even go further and say that occultism tends to attract women in general throughout history like over centuries over millennia as well as other marginalized groups yeah um you know and uh, lgbt plus people um all you know people who aren't represented by the mainstream ethnicity um they tend to go towards the occultist currents um and i think that it could be potentially if we look at this through a political cultural lens yeah. um it could be just because they're not um, that they themselves don't have the same place in the heterodox religions, you know. In Christianity, Jesus is a man. Um, God is he, him. You know, he uses yes, he, yeah. him pronouns. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I think that the the ten the occultist traditions, which generally are looked down upon by by the mainstream. And every every major religion has its occultist underbelly, so sure. to speak. You know, you have Kabbalah. You have. Um, in Christianity, theosophists, or other types of, um, you know, Christian mystics. And, um, but I do think that they do attract the people who, if we look at it purely from a cultural standpoint, maybe are not represented well enough in the mainstream and they find their representation through other channels.
0: Mm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, What, specifically with spiritualism, what do you think, like I mentioned sort of the Ouija board, but like, wh- what are these sort of
1: lasting impacts of that movement? Mm, lasting impacts of the movement. I mean, they, they, you still have spiritualist churches today. It is yeah. still an act of religion, and I don't know what their numbers are. When I attend spiritualist services, um, you know, especially in New England, you get like all these really nice New England old ladies like, oh, hi, honey, how are you? Would you like a slice of apple pie? I just baked you, you know, it's yeah. it's really, it's it's very cute and and new england by the way is a uh that's a culture that's really rife with ghosts i mean every old house in new england and you talk to old new england families like th- that culture is still very close um to the idea of, of of ghosts and and i think much more accepted in the mainstream than maybe even other parts of the united yeah. states yeah. um but we, we even have a spiritualist church in San Francisco. I actually haven't been to it. I would love to go. It's a beautiful old building and, and such. But I mean, mediums, What what is the lasting impact of that? Um, you know, like like those, the last vestiges of the Ouija board. Yeah. Um, and I also watched the movie Ghostbusters recently. I love that movie. Over Christmas time, it was like a Christmas movie. They were talking about ectoplasm. And the movie, yeah. I'm like, ah, ectoplasm. That's so like 19th century ghost hunter kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's funny. Ectoplasm has kind of fallen out, hasn't it? Now, you don't really hear that from mediums anymore, and they're not really, you know, embodying these, you know, wispy plumes of of gooey goos. I don't know. I mean, that used to be how they did in the 19th century.
0: The guy who did mine, this is, it's funny, I work with mediums. So you oh, think cool. that I would know more of this, right? I like, work at an esoteric bookshop, and I'm like surrounded by mediums. Um, who knew? <laughs> But it's interesting. The guy who does my sound baths started telling me about ectoplasm. And I was like, oh, no, it's making was- a comeback. No. Huh? It's making a comeback. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a bit of an anomaly. But I was just like, oh, Like, what? And he's like, you have to clean with ammonia. And I'm like, I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> but can you, by the way, for those who maybe don't
1: know what uh, ectoplasm is, can you share? Yes. Well, in in the nineteenth century, um, so the and this is something I wrote about in my thesis. The um, advent of photography, you know, being able to capture an image with uh, yeah. photography actually coincided with spiritualism, the development of spiritualism. And when people started using photography, they, they were, you know, this was just revolutionary in the art world. It was just revolutionary to be capturing the likeness of something so clearly um, and, um, and in such a faithful way that people actually, a lot of occultist investigators were like, can photography capture even the ethereal stuff? Not just things in our physical reality, but can it even capture things from different dimensions? So yeah. they would take a lot of photographs of, of spiritualists who were um, channeling things, uh, embodying things, etc. And one of the phenomenon that were captured in, in these photographs were things called ectoplasm, where the medium would somehow, um, and out of thin air or around his or her body start producing these I guess the best way to look at them is these white sort of diaphanous plumes Um, they would sometimes come out of their mouth or their ears or whatever and this was supposed to be the physical proof captured on a photograph of of a spiritual manifestation so so i wonder whether ectoplasm and photography are the you know and the, the early the early use of photography have that interconnection of like being able to provide proof for this because that's what uh the photographers were trying to do with these mediums um and uh, and apparently they were also just a part of um other types of seances the term seance comes yeah. from on the spiritualist movement, wow. and uh, there were, and you were considered to be a very top-tier medium if you could have physical manifestations around you. So noises. I think there were the Fox Sisters were some early ones, and they there was all this banging whenever they were having their. Um, whenever they were having their manifestations or connecting to the spirit world, people would hear like banging all around them. So, so there'd be different types, visual, um, auditory, maybe even olfactory uh, types of manifestations. Um, and so, yeah. And I think that this was just kind of proof to the living that, that, these, that they were contacting these other realms. Wow, okay. So I promise I'm gonna
0: like save this conversation in it's entirety for its own devoted talk 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 cool! Like, I want to dive in here but I will ask you this question and then I'll move back. Um, how much do you think that the invention of radio affected spiritualism as well right like something wow. you know, to and other
1: places and voices moving across the air yes I mean recordings the early the early society I'm trying to remember Geez, I'm trying to remember what it's called. There was an early society. The name eludes me now, and they used recording devices. So maybe not radio. I'm I'm not necessarily thinking on the radio wavelength, but they used um, recording devices for, again, trying to capture some proof of these other beings. And I guess the assumption was that as we were learning about light and radio signals, we realized that there were many other signals either on the on the visible light spec- spectrum there's also the invisible light spectrum and also there are noises that we can't hear maybe animals so i guess they were looking into these um extensions of our sensory world to try to capture things which probably weren't necessarily um easily easily um heard or seen just within whatever spectrums we can access yeah and we're using tools like you know machinery um and cameras to see if they could get could capture them wow
0: so when you were studying this because you've mentioned i think i think you've mentioned being sort of skeptical and having an academic background before were you were you would you were you like um practitioner of spiritualism or were you like study this more with a I want to say um, scrutin-
1: scrutinizing
0: mind mm.
1: I would not say I was a practitioner of, of much else but my own spontaneous spiritual path okay. um, which was uh, you know I just got to the point I mean conscious exploration a, a little bit um, you know where I would I, I would just kind of Fall upon some methods in my own life that would give me some some interesting experiences that I couldn't quite explain. But I yeah. never followed anything formally. I just kind of did it spontaneously and and out of my own amusement. Maybe I spent too much time by myself as a kid. I don't know. Um, and uh, but I never actually fo- formally followed anything. I, I'm actually very resistant to following things. Um, I'm very like I, I'm very resistant to. Because for me, it's like once you follow one path, you're almost saying that everything else is is less important. And to me, I just love the open-mindedness. I was more of an explorer, more of a tourist than I was a practitioner. Um, yeah. And I and I also just kind of felt that there was more to life than meets the eye. Um, and so I, I tried to come at it with healthy as, as much healthy skepticism as well as open-mindedness that I don't have all the answers. And I tried to kind of. Be in the middle ground of that, and I still do. Um, yeah, and I and I don't have to necessarily explain away experiences. I can just just having them is interesting enough. So, maybe dig into that.
0: When did you find astrology? And when you first found astrology, did you
1: approach it as a skeptic? Like, what was that relationship? That's a really good question. I I had a reading with my now mentor, uh, Jamie Kale Miller, I work as a contractor for her. And I I had an incredible reading with her. And I think I was just feeling a little bit uh, trying to figure out my purpose. I was sort of in my late 20s. And I was disillusioned by by the art world. And I went to her and I just felt so um, seen. And I felt so realized in this way. And, and I fell in love, you know, I'd, I'd been introduced to the symbolism from alchemy, so I understood it a little bit. And when I, when I had that reading, it was just very, a shift for me. Um, and then I just read everything I could about it. I just spent the next few years learning from everyone I could, I interned with her. And um, then I, um, I became, you know, it, it was just so provoking. It was so compelling to me. Um, and I also, she's very free will based. Um, you know, and I like that approach to divination. Um, yeah. so, so I think that that her, her methodology really clicked with me, even though we practice in different ways, like, you know, I'm my own person, she's her own person. Um, but, uh, and we still work very closely together, but, um, yeah, I, it was a, it was a, it was a kind of a shift for me. And then, um, and then the more I learned about it, the more I, I just needed, you know, I just became obsessed.
0: We, that was that what around your in return time?
1: yes it was a little bit right before then yeah saturn return and then pluto was also around my midheaven at the time um that combination of, of things wow so that would be um is your your midheaven's in capricorn
0: Am I it correct? yeah it was around 15 it's middle capricorn okay okay so that yeah that would be because it's the nodal opposition that happens before the saturn return right so like nodal opposition and then the um saturn return the
1: nodal oh because um are you talking about like every 18 years is it that the nodes the that's nodes... a return but like every nine years it does the opposite right ah, so. you know i haven't used that so much so i don't know i don't know a lot about it how do you use notable returns or oppositions
0: gosh i i always think i i use them a lot but i don't i'm on record probably not the person to ask right like i think when i generally i think of the nodal opposition it's like usually um what it it tends to be like a maybe a point of confusion or like a turning point in your life right Hmm. whereas i think of it this way when you have the again my my personal practice when you have the nodal opposition right before your saturn return it's like you're kind of feeling out like what like what is the saturn return going to be about and there's a little bit of like that transition to the next 30 years Hmm. and by the time you hit that nodal return like 36 37 a lot of times maybe you'll sometimes you get Teachers in your life, or it starts to be like you've kind of figured it out, and you start to go, Okay, like what's middle age going to be like? That right? You see a lot so of people cool. have like switches in relationships or um, jobs and things like that. So, anyway, so it was during that period in your life where you're like, Okay, like apparently the next 30 years of your life gets to be about being an astrologer. Exactly.
1: You know, and that's, I I would, I really want to, that's such a good point of inquiry. I'm going to follow up on that because I'm really into looking at the cycles. The more I I get into, uh, the longer I'm at this, the more I'm I'm like, you have to see where somebody is in the greater cycle. And I mean, the nodes are are perfectly cyclical. Um, So that would absolutely add another really interesting dimension. I just find that there's such a paucity of information on them in the traditional stuff. You know, they just are like, they're bad. And that's kind of it. And I'm like, eh, so I haven't, I've been using a lot of Stephen Forrest, um, the modern approach to it. And I'll look a little into what the the Vedic folks say about it. But since I haven't seen so much and I've been on a traditional track recently, I guess that's why I've been glossing over them. But they're totally part of other cycles. So seeing the intersection or Uh even the development of of how the cycles layer on top of each other would absolutely be a very interesting point of inquiry. Oh, absolutely, because they tie in really closely with the Saturn cycle,
0: right? You can yeah. Saturn return, and yeah, yeah. Um, Adam Summer is a lot of information on in the notes. I, I did an apprenticeship with him. Austin Kopic, because uh, he's to of course study the traditional and the the, the Vedic or the Indian. try to think of who else? Gemini Brett's wild. He mm-hmm. like is just a plethora of information. Cool. My my poor brain like can't keep up with him. He's awesome. He does a whole class on the nose. Anyway, just sort of shouting those things out. I want to go back to something when you talked about, um, we were talking about consultation, like holding space for the weird. And pardon me, everyone who's listened to my talk talks, because you're just, this has apparently been my little obsession recently. But I've been obsessed with this idea of like the, I don't know, the divination, divinators. I don't know if that's a word, like (laughs) privilege. It works. yeah like i was thinking about this a lot lately especially like in the last year where i feel like i get a lot of like really heavy client stuff and with i think shorthand for what i think is a mental health crisis in this um at least this country right right and so i get a lot of people coming to me and they're carrying really heavy stuff and i'm like i don't know do you need a therapist and they're like therapist scares me like scare me i'll talk to you and then i just had this moment i realized i'm like oh man if i was a therapist i couldn't do what i do hmm. like I look like this, right? I'm a total weirdo. And um people can come to me and like I feel there's like they, there's a level of trust in being able to open up cuz they don't think take me
1: serious. Absolutely. And like and I was Doctors like, have lost a lot of people's trust. Yeah. Because I think about people go, they're they're therapists and they
0: just stare at them and they feel like they're there to fix them or something. And I have people who come to me, I'm sure you do too, who go, oh my God, like, I've told you more in like a half hour than I have my therapist. But what do you think that is? Do you see that, that sort of the weird privilege, if you will? Weird privilege.
1: Yeah, that's certainly because I mean you go around and you know you meet people at cocktail parties and you pe- tell people you're an astrologer or I sometimes just be like you know I'm kind of like a new age counselor if they're, they're they're trying to sit there and figure out where to put me in the social category and I'm like <laughs> yeah. you know jamming them a little bit um, and you know people the most common reaction is you get written off or the more um, the more negative types might see you as being a bit scammy. Um, But I think that when, when people are approaching you for a reading, you know, they're trusting you, they're Mm -hmm. investing money in you. Um, and they're, you know, and they're, they, they want to, they want to figure something out about themselves and they want to work on something, you know, perhaps one part of it, is that um, you know doctors have lost a lot of people's trust um, you know the, the pharmaceutical industry and how it's infiltrated the way practice has happened and um, how uh, you know how people don't want to be pathologized. You know, people are looking for meaning and sometimes being like, well, you have borderline personality disorder that sometimes that can help people to have a diagnosis. And sometimes it it just kind of, it's completely devoid of of meaning uh, of purpose in their experience, or, you know, you're clinically depressed or something. Um, so I think that what, what people, when they approach maybe you or me, um, they're looking for some type of meaning in their experience. They're looking for some greater picture. Um, yes. they're looking for some symbolic narrative um through which to understand what they're going through and i think that you know and i you know they're they're absolutely i have high regard for uh psychiatrists yeah. and therapists they're fabulous ones out there i go to some and they've helped me out tremendously um and there's there's a place also for the people like us um yes. you know diviners maybe divinators uh whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it and that is um you know how are we looking at things you know astrology is like the most cosmically externalized expression of what's going on inside of you you're, lo- yeah. you're looking at the symbolism of these planets you know seven to ten whether you're practicing modern or uh traditional or whether you're using a hundred asteroids or whatever um and that is that that somehow and what's amazing about the system is that all of these planets um can absolutely describe every type of experience and 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 physical reality that we have like the, right. the absolutely the symbolism is so rich it's so dense um and and i think that looking at it from that not only birds bird's eye view but that cosmic eye view and seeing life unfold as this like grand uh planetary drama um is a way of people to to discern some meaning and understanding from their experience it's a different vantage point and i think that there is something therapeutic on one level if we're looking at it purely psychologically there can be something therapeutic about it Um, and i mean tell me i'm pretty i'm sure that you you feel similarly to this but tell me your own take on it um, but my, my goal, when somebody comes into my office, my zoom room nowadays, um, yeah. is to help them make decisions. Like we're here to make decisions and I, I'm very practical. Like I, I, I'm so like, it's like, you know, the most, and that's, that's the thing to me. There's, there's great spirituality in the mundane experiences of life, a fight with a boyfriend trying to figure out what job you should do, you know, trying to figure out that that's all extremely heavily spiritual work that you're doing. That's how I look at it. Um, so, so offering, you know, some practical advice or like where can we make decisions here so that you feel much more aligned with your purpose so that you feel like you're self-actualizing, um, you know, is, is the goal.
0: I love that. I, mean, I absolutely agree. Sometimes I think of my own consultations, I feel like a coach.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like... it's coaching, totally, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, and I I think that there's um, I think that's extremely um, because the the point is, and and one of the, I remember one of the things we were talking about or said we should talk about today is yeah. skepticism in astrology. Um, and and i and i always like to to say like oh i don't want to believe in anything because belief is the absence of thought and and i try to i try to do that as much as possible but sometimes i just slip into believing things too but i try to check myself i like i like having a little healthy skepticism always in there where i'm skeptical is on deterministic astrology yeah i'm skeptical of fatalistic astrology that's where i'm kind of like mm, you know because um Because I do think that uh, our free will as human beings opens us up to, you know, we are less automatic than animals, but animals do have some level of free will. I'm not, I'm not just kind of saying, yeah. you know, but we, we, are, we tend to animals kind of go with the flow of nature. We can go with the flow with it, or we can go really against it, you know, we and that's the free will part, you know, and it's, it's a, a grand spectrum of things. Um, we can be almost demonic with our free will, or we can be saintly with it. Um, and I think that that is what coauthors our fate, that you, you are, you are actively coauthoring your fate um and that is where i see the benefit of astrology and, and like and the coaching part because it's kind of like okay where's your agency in this what are you going to do what do you want um how how is this tool of astrology helped you understand yourself better so that you can get out there and make some decisions and actually feel empowered by things
0: absolutely it's sort of a couple t- a couple ways to enter that my experience is interesting like because i work with a lot of mediums, like. Um, I get a lot of people who come to me going tell me the future to which I have to reply I don't know <laughs> what would you like like you I don't want to take away your free will right yeah. like so let's have a conversation and it's so fascinating to me too because so much of how I work is like well let's look at the past right like I don't like when people are like oh I don't believe in astrology and I'm like well what do, what, what to believe in?" it feels like I just watch clocks all day okay exactly. so I'm gonna go with my boyfriend. Okay, let's go back and look at the last time this transit happened. Oh, it's gonna get divorced. Great, let's talk through this.
1: <laughs> it feels <laughs> I, maybe that's just my approach, but no but that's but I love that I so. I am totally with you on that. And I think that that's that's the higher way. I mean, again, I, I don't wanna sound too um, too arrogant, but I think I think that's a higher approach to it. Um, and I think that um, you know, for example, one metaphor I always use is that there are these cosmic influencing influences that are happening. Yeah. um you know like that you are you know if you're having a lot of saturn transits that year it probably won't be the most lighthearted year of your life um you know there are these cosmic thi- uh, cosmic fixed influences but it but like what i i and i have no idea when a client comes to me, yeah. how evolved they are. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea if, um, you know, I can look at someone's chart and be like, well, there might be a lot of luck here. There might be a lot of, you know, this is a risk taker. This is someone who might be more conservative, but but I will not know someone's level of self-awareness, how spiritually evolved they are until I'm actually sitting there talking to them and getting a sense of it. Um, and so I always um, and I always defer to the client about their own knowledge of themselves. I, I, I see myself as a language interpreter. I know it's so mundane, but I, I just I'm like, I'm a, I'm a language interpreter. That's all I am. I'm here just interpreting the language of, of these symbols um, yeah. and um, and and I think the language represents a spectrum. And then I think that the client's free will is what manifests the result within that spectrum. So it's like, um, you know, for example, like maybe the astrological weather says that it's raining outside, but yeah. it's not gonna tell me whether the client is ready to bring an umbrella to prepare for it or or go out in a in a little halter top in the cold and freeze. Like it's, um, that's how I sort of look at it.
0: This is just I mean, we're getting kind of insider here and I'm totally fine with that um, because quite frankly, I want to know. Um, But I also, and a a, a lot of astrologers might, especially more traditional sort of Hellenistic minded might disagree with this. But I also think part of our job in a sense is to like gas people up, right? If someone comes up and comes to you and they're having like a really difficult Saturn transit, and they're like having, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to like remind you about the really lovely parts of yourself and your strength and the things that you can pull on to get through this. And I also think that's a a bit
1: of our job too. That we always, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to do because what I've learned, and maybe you've seen the same thing, everyone misjudges their own strengths. Everyone knows what their weaknesses are. I'm so bad at this, I'm so bad. But then when you show people their strengths, they like take it for granted. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, I knew. Yeah, that just, it comes so naturally. So sometimes even validating people and being like, yes. Or if people are going through a rough time, um, showing them where they are getting a little luck. Like okay, yeah, it's hell in your career right now, but your relationship's going really well, and they're like, yeah, actually, no, it is. You're right, you know. So sometimes being able to um, give people that perspective, and again, it, it's perspective, um, you know. And I and I think of uh, all divination as a form of cosmic, universal perspective, um, so that you know sometimes, and and I think finding meaning. You know, whether finding purpose in life, like life is a shit show sometimes, it really is. I mean, it is on everyone. Um, but if you have meaning in your life, um, you know, and that can mean many different things. For some people it's having children, for some people it's having career, for some people it's having a spiritual path, um, or rescuing animals. If you have a sense of meaning, you can weather so much more than, than you can if you don't. Um, and, and I think that that's another thing if people are going through a hard time, is like, where, where is the meaning in your life right now? And, um, and, and that can sometimes be a lot to just kind of therapeutically or spiritually or however you want to look at it, help someone to carry through something really difficult.
0: You mentioned that when you found astrology through your mentor, you were going through a difficult part of your life where you're perhaps searching for meaning. How did astrology
1: help you weather that? That's such a good question. I, it was, you know, it was a way, it kind of like took a lot of my little disparate interests and then all of a sudden turned them into a cohesive whole. Like I love working one-on-one with people, you know, I was kind of interested in psychology, but there was also something about it which didn't didn't like suit me. Um, I was always interested in art and symbolism, but I didn't want to become, you know, an appraiser at an auction house. So kind of like all of a sudden put it all together, like, oh, all these interests of mine are fine coalescing Um, and then it also became a spiritual path for me at the same time where you know I always kind of considered myself a spiritual type in my own little weird way not necessarily following uh, any particular path because I'm very I'm very resistant to that honestly (laughs) I'm not good I'm not good at following Um, but it it then all of a sudden it was a way of, of aligning my livelihood with a spiritual path so that Just doing the mundane work was always edifying to me because I would I would get a daily confirmation of the interconnectedness of everything you know which is what astrology is and what you know uh, like what what is like it's it's a mundane everyday um, uh, confirmation of what mystics say across every tradition and that is that everything is connected um and and you can just sort of see it happen almost in the most mundane hilarious ridiculous ways you know um so so that was also very um it, so i got to keep my spiritual world and my career world together and that was also and continues to be a huge point of, of satisfaction for me
0: i um. i just want to throw out here you are aries son, yes
1: and aries run- Back at I'm you, Carol. Right. You're Aries' son,
0: too. Um, <laughs> yes, and Aries Rising. And I love talking to you so much. I just want to, like, put that out there for people who want to just, like, watch, like, what Aries is because you're just, like, just want to go on my own. Don't want to follow anyone. And um, also thinking a little bit about how um, I, I have a feeling maybe our coaching styles are similar, but um, Christopher
1: Renstrom refers to Aries as the coach dad. <laughs> The coach dad. I love Christopher Renstrom. He was a local in um, San Francisco. I think he's moved yeah. to Utah now. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's really
0: the the coach dad. <laughs> like, love me. Like when you come to a reading, it's like you know. There's some readers that are just like, oh, like they'll cry and like. I mean, I've cried through readings, but but there's something about areas where you're like, let's work
1: through this. Yeah. <laughs> we should get a little whistle. <laughs> yeah totally i i absolutely agree with that i think that's great i love christopher
0: <laughs> oh, okay i'm gonna like i have questions i'm gonna try to stick to them because i could literally talk to you for another three hours uh, and i
1: won't i won't I love it. To you today. We do this again i could i learned so much from you 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 are like inspiring all these different directions in my spiritual quest <laughs> these days
0: yeah and like i am by the way i have two master's degree and like degrees and like Art history and the symbolism and the occult
1: <laughs> degrees—they don't—they don't mean—they don't, mean, don't mean shit in this. <laughs> They're fun. That was a—that was a hobby for a little while, but you know that—that doesn't—that doesn't mean anything in in anybody, any practitioner's efficacy at all.
0: Absolutely. That being said, you're still pretty impressive. But I will—I'll keep to the question. So I asked what you want to talk about. And you're like Pluto returning. United States which we're like in the middle of getting ready to sort of exit um why okay so two questions maybe we should start off with um your thoughts on this maybe explain what the Pluto return is for people who have no idea what we're talking about
1: so Pluto takes a really long time to go back to the same place in the sky um, which is what a return is the same degree Uh, it takes like 248 years I believe and um, so it can't happen in any human being's lifetime unless you believe in like the the biblical Methuselah or people who can live for for really extended periods of time. I know they're trying to do it in the tech world these days. God, they're so scared of death. Um, and um, but you know, so human beings can't have a Pluto return. We can have a Pluto square um yeah. which i'm beginning to start soon you're are you done with yours yet or you're in the middle of your pluto square i'm
0: in the middle of it because i'm pluto in um libra ah
1: yes yeah, square to uh capricorn the the us is pluto yeah so yeah. you're going through your mini you're kind of going through your own version while it's also happening in your country <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's 248 years. So a, a country, um, which how yeah. do you define the birth of a country? Uh, commonly in the United States, we use that with the signing of the Declaration of Independence, um, and that was popularized by an astrologer named Sibley in the Sibley chart. Um, and um, so that so that is the birth of a country, just like a marriage like signing the the marriage chart would be like the birth of the marriage that's kind of an electional approach to astrology Um, so uh, 248 years ago approximately Pluto is now returning to the same place in the sky as when this country was born so um, that seems to be pretty significant Um, returns are very significant events in astrology like the Saturn return Um, and Pluto is an intense intense guy You know, he's a, he, she, whatever you want to call him. Um, Yeah, Pluto to me represents the critical mass. Um, You know, think of like a volcano eruption, but before there's the actual crisis of the eruption, there's hundreds if not thousands of years of slow geologic activity slowly coming together until all of a sudden one day it becomes kablooey. And we're kind of at the kablooey point. Yeah. Yeah, how, how do, you, how, do you, how would you describe Pluto return?
0: You know, the minute you said that, my first thought was this is a very long conversation. <laughs> that was my thought. My thought was like, we don't have enough time for this. <laughs> like, let's go back to the, because you know, it's just, essentially it's the, a study of the history of the United States. And it's a very long, nuanced conversation of like, <laughs> I'm not prepared for that one. Fair enough. Let's bookmark it <laughs> i have to ask you though i was writing pluto technically a dwarf planet what are your feelings on pluto and astrology
1: oh i mean in terms of his uh, astronomical classification well oh, well
0: uh perhaps but also more symbolically and and as i was writing dwarf planet like part of me like part of me was thinking fuck like like, there's something called pluto that is gonna like just drop an anvil on me for like i'm like you can't just call pluto a dwarf planet and i did it and i felt immediately bad because there's that, that part of um i'm gonna call it like a superstition inside me that's
1: hilarious. That's be that yeah. works with all the planetary channeling that you've been doing. <laughs> you're a little more cautious of those energies, you know, because you're 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 incorporating them into your everyday practice. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> but that being stated, how do you work with Pluto in a in a birth chart and transit chart? Or just and for those and why is it important for those who have no idea what we're talking about? For sure, oh, and thanks, friend.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, so. so you know, Oh yeah. Oh, um, are you looking at the chat, by the way? No, I'm not. I didn't even realize oh, there was a chat. There is a. I'm sorry.
0: A chat and um, Nicholas G. Painter says I've enjoyed the
1: conversation, so oh, thank I was you, Nicholas. Nicholas. That's very sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, wherever we have Pluto in our chart is where our ego can be on steroids. <laughs> and I'm not. A, I'm not a spiritual type who um, who denigrates the ego at all. At all. You know, uh, wherever we have Neptune is where we actually have ego leaking where we we, we have too much ego denial and Pluto is different. It's like our ego can go on steroids um, wherever we have it. So that's where we need to check the ego a little bit more. And Neptune is where we need to actually reinforce the ego more. So I'm I'm all about like the moderate with the I'm an ego moderate. Spiritual practitioner. I'm not I'm not against it. I also don't think you should, you know, my best metaphor for it is um, Ego is the car. It should never be the driver So, you know, it's a vehicle it can take you yeah. places it can it can it can be useful But don't don't also let it in the driver's seat, you know, it's kind of like that and so um so uh, pluto is a, yeah Pluto is a planet that can absolutely um, it rules all the hidden dimensions of life um, it rules all the things that um, that exist but you can't necessarily talk about them in polite conversation because they're too dark and intense um, so it rules secrets mysteries mental health sex taboos um, crime all of that kind of stuff um, and it definitely, you know, it's got a bit of a dark side to it, and it can, it can definitely be what, what is a popular term in New Age, you know, our shadow self, you know, the Jungian concept. Um, so, um, so, but Pluto um, is also a planet. You know, people who have strong Plutos in their chart um, can also be healers, really great healers. Um, and Pluto can also be a planet of regeneration uh a transformation so a common metaphor would be the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly you know if yeah. you if you opened a caterpillar in a cocoon you know when it's no longer the worm anymore but it's no longer the butterfly and you opened it up in the middle of a cocoon you wouldn't see anything you would see mush you would see a complete death of of this creature you wouldn't see arms legs wings or anything that's a pluto transit <laughs> you know you're in the mush stage um before something else can come afterwards and and great things can happen after pluto transit but they can they can they can be intense they can be times of crisis um you know so i think that you know and just apply all of that to the united states right now technically the the uh, return happened last year happening this year throughout this year as it's dipping into aquarius a little bit back um and that is that You know, uh, Michael Luton wrote a fantastic article for Vanity Fair about this about 20 years ago. So definitely that that's one that that's very interesting and um, And I, you know, that's a good one for just kind of uh, thinking about this time period, but it's basically, you know, the, the country going through a bit of an identity crisis. Um, and that you know ster- uh, ego on steroids power struggles are also very characteristic of, of Pluto transits returns whatever so there's a big power struggle going on in this country um, and you know, it could be, you know, there are the, um, I've heard of uh, some historically minded astrologers who say all of these kind of wistfully um, melancholic things of empires don't survive their Pluto return. Look at Rome, look at, look at Byzantium, you know, um, I, my response to that is they do survive, they just transform so utterly you can't recognize them we are the last vestiges of the roman empire roman empire, yeah. roman empire is still alive in in my you know my way of looking at that historically it's not done it just changed and um we're, we're going through a massive transformation and uh you know the higher side of it is that this can be a time of regeneration um like hitting the reset button on what this country is all about maybe looking over the, our founding documents, you know, uh, which are supposed to be our character if this country were a person, you know, like um, freedoms. Uh, sh- do those need to be reexamined? Do those need to be changed? Um, and what's going to be, you know, the next the next level here? How is this going to be, um, you know, what what direction is this transformation? And I don't know. Um, but a change is a coming. It's almost like. Um
0: the big version of like the Saturn return for countries, right? Yeah, like, the Saturn return is like, how are you going to spend the next 30 years of your life at the country? It's like, Oh, great. So like, how are the next 247 or sub whatever years of your life, life going to look mm-hmm.
1: like? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it, it's kind of like a new cycle is of activity is beginning and it's a new chapter. So, yeah. so this is a new big chapter for the United States, and um, and 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 during during something, I would I would say that this is a critical period, meaning that the past has a minimum amount of hold on the present, and the present has a maximum amount of hold on the future. So, so how we direct that. Um, and and I think it's good for us as individual citizens to really use our agency and say, okay, what what about the past of this country would I want to keep? What would I want to change? Um, and you know, and, and do find your agency within that change. Absolutely, and I think you also, and maybe this is um,
0: this could be the topic for our next conversation, perhaps. I mean, I have like five topics bookmarked right now, um, but sometimes, especially, I think. Photographer, phot- photographers, astrologers, of photography, like forget, we're guilty of it too, I mean, I think people in general, that living through something, it's far different than like looking back at history, right? So most yes. people who like lived through that what we could say is a fall of an empire, right? When you were actually in the moment, Maybe it didn't feel good, but it felt
1: like something completely different. Yeah, like absolutely. History, yeah, I completely agree. with that. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, because because the right now it's the ever unfolding present. I mean, yeah. there's um, you know, history has much more fixity to it um, than this point. You know, what whatever the the nowness, the present mm-hmm. does. Um, and uh, you know, I yeah, it's. Uh, I I feel like I get what you're saying, though.
0: I was thinking a lot about moon time lately versus sun time. Moon time! Right, like, so if you think about it, like, like, your sun in your chart. We could say, like, what is maybe the plot light, like, your solar purpose. Like, most people aren't, like, thinking about their solar purpose every single moment of the day. Like, they're thinking about like, how they're going to get through and do the small things, like getting things accomplished. And, like, they're think astrology is really beautiful too because it gives you that perspective of like oh like this is how i do my day to day but this is where i'm going because sometimes it doesn't always feel like we're doing these big glorious tasks every day absolutely and it's sort of similar how history like in, in the you know in, in hindsight history feels like this these big sort of events but in the present you said it like you said it's just these um unfolding pre- present moments
1: yeah yeah and i think that um yeah and i think in terms of looking at the difference between sun and moon yeah. um the moon needs a lot more work and care than the sun does um, you know uh the the moon i mean like it's um the the vedic astrologers the the Jotish the jotishas they see the moon as a benefic planet actually they see it as like the third benefic planet along with jupiter and venus and um as as i'm practicing i'm actually beginning to kind of um, go more and more in that direction I do think there's something benefic about the moon Um, but I you know the moon is um, it's a changeable planet it's it's not only it represents emotions and emotions are just always changing you know like you you could be having a bad day and you're super angry for an hour or you're super depressed but so the moon needs a lot more care because um, change is difficult And change is a constant um and and the sun is more of that fixed that that never ending brightness in the sky, fixed fire, the sun never extinguishes, it goes away for about a few hours, and then the moon comes up, but like it's it's that's why it's fixed because it's always kind of bright and steady um but uh yeah, no the moon the moon is is definitely i think the planet which we're always kind of maybe more frequently dealing with on a day to day basis, yeah, ah. Uh
0: man um this this conversation feels so incomplete because i i have a time for sure um but i want to keep
1: going on oh so it's you forever
0: promise, promise me we can do like an, we can do another we know how to
1: work the ig live together now so we yes. can do this. Again. i know i figured it out finally thank you <laughs> <laughs> you taught you're teaching me so much
0: from your videos i have to say though um for anyone who like i'm sure for anyone who doesn't watch your videos they're like fantastic oh, thank you Did, were you making videos before you started making these
1: horoscopes Yes, I was doing, I was doing horoscope videos on YouTube for a while. Um, and then I I also make videos for astrology.com and horoscope.com. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I do that with my boyfriend. He's he's actually a really talented video editor and he like gives me his like free time to help edit my videos, which is really nice. I'll do the graphics and then he'll like put it together. And uh, he helps, he's been helping me out. And it's just a fun project that we have together. Uh, like we both like- part- I love them too, so And much. they're very
0: cartoony. <laughs> I, every time I keep thinking of, um, what is what is it? Like the VJs, like MTV. Like it feels like great like exactly. you MTV
1: News, I got such a laugh out of that.
0: We're old enough <laughs> to
1: remember MTV
0: News. Every time I see your videos, I feel they feel very, for those who can remember MTV News to me.
1: Um, I'm going to get an old MTV News background and do, do a whole run of them like that, I think. I <laughs> think you need to. That would be, God, what is that, um
0: julia julia and julie is it julia and julia what was the show on mtv where it's like there were two julias um there i don't remember that one it was downtown julie wait downtown julie brown and who's the other was it julie uh, brown, yeah, julie was, uh, brown. yeah i think she was a vj yeah but was there was another julie brown too My, bro- okay i'm i'm gonna like do some weird research and send you things for and um not Keep up any more of this conversation of me trying. I'm gonna send you clips after this is what I'm going to do. Awesome. Um anything anything
1: to promote? Uh, um no. I mean just more of our conversations together because I find them so fun. Love it. And um people can um sign up for consultations do with you. Yes, absolutely. I'm, right now, I'm. Um, you. they can find me through Pandora Astrology. I haven't actually put my website on my um, profile because I've been going through all these health things lately and keeping my client load down, but I should, uh, I should probably bring that back up again. Thanks for the reminder.
0: You're welcome. So people can theoretically sign for a consultation with you, but they can definitely watch your videos, absolutely. Uh, like, subscribe, YouTube. You have a link in bio to all that.
1: Yes, uh, right now, just one YouTube video I have on um, how to, um, how to read a birth chart. I have like an hour and a half long video on how to do that.
0: I love it. Actually, I'm, I'm going to go home and I am home, but I'm going to go when I have time and watch that.
1: I'm a super You're so sweet so hard. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much, CV. I really, I love speaking with you and I learned so much from you and I have so much respect for you as a spiritual practitioner and diviner, divinator. Divinator. divinator,
0: divinator, divinator. It sounds very Ghostbusters. I like, we're gonna fucking fuck some shit up. <laughs> Whoa, divinator. Okay, my friends. Well, oh, I should also say I'm, I'm Stevie Henriette of Art of the Zodiac. Please follow me. I do these talk talks once to twice a week. I interview astrologers and art, an artists that I admire. And we will be doing this again soon. That's all. Love you. all. Wonderful right. Mercury day. Thank you, Stevie. Bye, love.
1: Bye. Talk to you later.